we're going to be uh, just looking at this story, picking up in Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 26. But um, the, the first couple of sermons in this series, last Sunday and then on Wednesday night, we're really uh, kind of focused on the hullabaloo aspect, the commotion and the fuss. And today, uh, really just kind of centering and, and circling around this idea that Jesus can and will disrupt or interrupt things. Uh, we want to just start with Luke chapter 8, verse 28. Uh, it says this, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Uh, a different translation, the New Living Translation, one of my uh, favorite translations, it says it this way, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Interfering, disrupting, why are you disrupting me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Uh, another way uh, to say it, another translation, the Message Translation, uh, says this, What business do you have messing with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Uh, what business do you have disrupting me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Anybody ever said anything like that or felt that uh, in your own heart, in your own spiritual life? What, what business do you have messing with me? Uh, these words were spoken, of course, by one demon-possessed man. Uh, as I was drawn out with the kids, they could also be spoken of uh, by, by multiple things or multiple people in this story. And the words could probably be spoken by us as well. Um, let's just begin to, to look at one of the main characters, which is the man himself. And uh, uh, we're, we're going to say four or five different things about the man and then try to make a conclusion about uh, this Jesus who may or may not disrupt. Uh, first thing we could say is simply that he is demon-possessed. Uh, the picture that we've got up there is going to be, uh, um, yeah, you see him there. Uh, how many of you would want to encounter a man like that? Right, this is a demon-possessed man. So uh, we talk about Satan and his workers, um, and his workers have, have, have been living inside of this man. They control his heart, they control his mind, they control everything about this man. He is demon-possessed. Um, the text in Luke 8 says that he has been naked for a long time. In other words, he's not wearing very many clothes, or he's wearing no clothes at all, and it's been that way for a very long time. Um, uh, this man, it, I had to be very selective, by the way, about which pictures I put up here, uh, because some pictures uh, from ancient long ago that people, anyways, you get the idea. The man is alone. He lives among the tombs. Uh, in other words, he is a social outcast. Um, today, people might go to a graveyard to remember and to celebrate a loved one that has passed away, and graveyards are kind of beautiful in their own way today. We've made them beautiful, but in biblical times, a, a graveyard, right, tombs, is not a place where you want to be. Uh, it's a place where outcasts go. It's a place where robbers go, where thieves go, maybe to hide out and, uh, and to stay away from people. This man is demon-possessed, he's naked, he's alone, and he's dangerous. Uh, Luke 8 tells us that, uh, that, that they used to chain him up, right, and, uh, and they would put shackles on him, and he would be able to break those chains and shackles. Um, uh, Matthew, I think it's also chapter 8 or maybe 9, uh, says that, that the man was fierce, right? So he had a reputation, most likely. Um, uh, people would say, don't go towards that part of town because that guy is going to create some kind of trouble for you or some kind of havoc for you. He probably had a reputation of hurting people because he was a dangerous, dangerous guy, so this man is demon-possessed, he's naked, he's alone, he's dangerous, and he wants to be left alone. Again, just hear it, right? Uh, he comes shouting at Jesus, charging probably full speed ahead, and he's shouting at Jesus, why are you interfering with me? 
Leave me alone. I'm fine. Ever, ever, ever been there? Where like you're watching somebody else and they're saying, I'm fine. And you're like, no, they're not. Right? That's what's happening in the story. We're looking at this guy and, and we know that he's not fine. Everybody else in the surrounding communities know that he's not fine. But this guy believes that he's fine. Right? Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I'm fine. Leave me alone. Uh, it's pretty obvious that the guy has been causing some real hullabaloo. Uh, he's been creating a lot of commotion and fuss. Um, the demons inside of him have been creating a lot of commotion and fuss in his own heart, and then he, in turn, is creating commotion and fuss for the surrounding community. Uh, one more thing that's kind of interesting is that this man, he doesn't know his real name. Did you catch that in the story? Um, Jesus asks him, hey, who are you? And he doesn't say, oh, my name is David, or my name is Matthew, or my name is Barnabas, as his parents might have named him. He says, my name is Legion, because what he's done, right, is he's accepted a new name for himself. He's accepted his sickness. He's accepted these demons as his reality. And so, so what he does, right, is he, he says, hey, my name is Legion. A legion, by the way, is about 6,000 Roman soldiers. So do the math, right? What we're saying is this guy has at least more than one demon inside of him, maybe a few dozen, maybe hundreds, maybe 6,000. He calls himself Legion. This is a man that's possessed by a lot of demons, and he has just accepted that as his reality. Um, we've probably experienced this man in one way, shape, or form. Um, maybe we are the people that create hullabaloo for others. Maybe we're the ones that create commotion and fuss. Uh, sin has this way of leaving us naked and exposed. Uh, sin has this way of, of, of leaving us guilty and in shame. Uh, sin isolates us uh, by, by pushing other people away. And sin makes us dangerous, often very ready uh, to hurt people around us. Now, to be clear, like, that's not what Matthew or Luke are trying to do. They're not trying to talk about allegory here, right? But, 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 but we've experienced this man. We've certainly created commotion and fuss and hullabaloo in the lives of other people. And in the same way, we've had other people around us that have created hullabaloo that makes us kind of just want to stay away from them. Right, that uh, they, they have hurt us or we've been hurt and so we get a little bit nervous, we get a little bit anxious and we, and we wanna stay away. And so the, the end result here is, uh, is, is pretty cool because what ends up happening uh, is we get left with this, with this hope. We get left with this hope that Jesus will disrupt dis disruptive things. We get left with hope that Jesus will disrupt disruptive things. Do you see that? Uh, where we find this man later is he is in his right mind, he is clothed, and he is with Jesus and his disciples. It's a complete reversal of what uh, we saw at the beginning of his story. And, and all of a sudden, we're, we're just kind of filled with this hope that, that man, I've, I've got these disruptive things in my own heart, or I've got these disruptive things out here around me, and we all of a sudden know, right, we're certain, we're convinced that Jesus will disrupt disruptive things. The second character that we want to look at is, of course, Jesus himself. 
And if we're looking at this, uh, it's pretty interesting because these uh, stories, this sequence of stories actually occurs not just in Luke, but also in Matthew and in Mark. And so if we're looking at all those together, we could say that Jesus is probably a little bit tired at this point of the day. Um, <clears throat> but because in Matthew and Mark, what happens is Jesus is actually preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And then after that is when he and the disciples get in the boat and they cross the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes up and he calms the storm. And it's after all of that that he steps out onto the shore and this wild demon crazy guy comes charging at him shouting. So, so you can imagine that it's been an extremely long day in the life of Jesus. And, and Jesus um, uh, in this moment, right, gets confronted as soon as he steps out of the boat. So Jesus is tired and he's confronted by this crazy, naked, outcast, demon-possessed man who comes charging at him and just consider the response of Jesus. Do, do you think that he's, that he's starting to sweat? <laughs> do you think that his, his knees are, are, are buckling and, or, or he's wringing his hands, not sure and scared about what to do? Of course not. In fact, Luke chapter 8 tells us that he, uh, as soon as the guy comes charging at him, he commands the unclean spirit to come out of this demon-possessed man. And, uh, and it's pretty interesting because Jesus is resisted. So Jesus is tired, and Jesus is confronted, and then Jesus is resisted. The demons don't come out of this man right away. They actually engage Jesus in a dialogue. Uh, this happens occasionally when Jesus tries to do a miracle or does a miracle, and then uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't work the first time, and he does it again. Uh, and this is one of those stories, one of those moments. The unclean spirit doesn't come out. It engages Jesus in a dialogue. And the dialogue we've already looked at, why are you interfering with me? Why are you disrupting me? Leave me alone, the man shouts at him. Jesus says, what's your name? And then we could say that Jesus is outnumbered, right? Because this is one Jesus against a lot of demons, right? Legion. This is one Jesus against maybe 6,000 demons. And Jesus here, again, right? Just see this. He's not wringing his hands. He's not sweating. He's not, you know, buckling his knees. He's not unsure of what to do. Jesus is in total control. In fact, verse 31, right? They are afraid of him, <laughs> 6,000 demons against one Jesus, and they are afraid of him. And they say, we beg you, don't cast us out. Jesus casts out the demons, he releases them, and the man is found peaceful and clothed. Um, he's with people now. He's at the feet of Jesus and with the other disciples. He is in his right mind, and, and it's a complete reversal. And so we get this... We get this trust built up that Jesus can disrupt the most disruptive things. That nothing is too powerful for him to disrupt. One man against 6,000 demons. And Jesus does it just like that. No sweat, right? No knees buckling, no fear. He's in total control the whole time. We, we just, it just builds up our trust that Jesus can disrupt the most disruptive things. So the demon-possessed man fills us with hope, right, that, uh, that Jesus will disrupt the things that we long to see disrupted. Um, uh, the, and Jesus himself shows us that he can disrupt the most disruptive things. And then there's uh, one more group of characters that we've got to look at, and it's the people. 
the people from the surrounding uh, country uh, or city. And, and you're going to see a picture of the pigs. Uh, because interestingly, as you look at, uh, this is a famous picture or famous story to, to draw pictures of or to paint. And, um, and interesting, very few of the, the pictures um, show the, the townspeople. But, but this is a key factor in the story, and we've got to see it for ourselves and wrestle with them. It's maybe just a few handful of them. Maybe it's hundreds of people that, that leave the city and the countryside, and they go out to what? To see what Jesus has done. So the demons uh, leave the demon-possessed man, and they go into the pigs, and the pigs uh, go to their death, and then the people go to see what Jesus is up to. And, and really just one word um, would, would characterize these people. Fear. It doesn't say that they're mad. It doesn't say that they're sad. Um, it doesn't say that they're confused. It says that they are afraid. And it says it twice in just a couple of verses. Verse 35, it says that they found the man and they were afraid. Um, uh, it, <clears throat> what it means is to put to flight by terrifying. Um, earlier this week, one of my children that will remain nameless was hiding uh, around a corner. I was brushing my teeth, and I came out from around the corner, and he goes, boo! And I went, ah! That's what it means when it says that they found the man and they were afraid. It's kind of that boo factor. It's kind of that factor where somebody is put to flight by terrifying them. So, so they see this guy, and it's like suddenly there's this desire to run the opposite direction to run away from Jesus, to run away from the man that used to be demon-possessed but now is in his right mind, is clothed, is with Jesus, and has completely reversed. Verse 37, it says that they are seized with great fear. Uh, the word fear there means dread or terror. And, uh, and just see this, it's not a little bit of dread or terror. It is great dread and terror. It is unusual in size uh, or in, uh, in, in quantity. And we have to just kind of ask the question, why? Why are they so afraid? We're guessing here because the text doesn't tell us. But, but if we had to guess, I'd make maybe one of two guesses or maybe both. Now, on the one hand, they are so afraid because of the loss that they have just experienced. We just have to see this, right? The restoration of the one man came at a great cost to them. Uh, those pigs are worth money, Right? And so, so, so they're maybe willing to sacrifice the one man uh, for, for the sake of their status quo. They're willing to sacrifice the one man for the sake of their sense of well-being. They're, they're willing to let that one guy stay in trouble if everything is cool with them. And, and what happens is Jesus has a different economy. And Jesus comes and says, well, I'm willing to create a little bit of chaos and confusion and commotion over here to rescue that one man who desperately needs to be rescued more than anything else. And so they're looking at him, and they're saying, uh, what else is he going to mess with? What else is he going to disrupt if he stays? If he stays, what might he do that's going to affect me more than these pigs have already affected me? Uh, maybe they're afraid because of the loss, and maybe they're afraid just because of the sheer power of Jesus. I mean, think about it, right? You look at this power, and you understand this power, and it's like, I don't understand that power. It is completely beyond my control. It is completely beyond anything that I can, that, that, that I can, that we've ever seen before. And you begin to wonder, is he going to do, uh, use that power against me? 
And, and so again, we don't really know why they are afraid, but, but, but if we had to guess, we would guess it's either because of the loss or because of the power of Jesus or maybe both of those combined. And, uh, and, and so what we see is that the people echo silently, <laughs> they echo silently what the man said loudly. Remember, the, the, the demon-possessed man came charging at Jesus and he's shouting this very phrase at Jesus, but the people kind of echo it silently. They say, why are you interfering with us? Leave us alone. And they asked Jesus to leave. Um, this little story here uh, with the people, it kind of builds our expectations that Jesus should, that he should disrupt us. Um, the people are probably um, the most uncomfortable for us to be considering, maybe even more than the crazy demon-possessed man, maybe even more than the power of Jesus. Uh, we we kind of see ourselves and we're connected with the people because, because all of a sudden we see and we know that Jesus should come and disrupt us, but we don't really always kind of sort of want him to disrupt us uh, because disruptions are disruptive <laughs> and disruptions are hard and we don't like uh, people interrupting us <clears throat> wherever she is um, and, and so the story kind of confronts us and says hey we've got a Jesus who who will disrupt the most disruptive things and that's really good news Right? We've all got things in our head that we just long and we wish Jesus will disrupt. And so my practical advice there would be to just simply rejoice in the good news that Jesus will and, and just pray about it, right? Take it to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, there's this really disruptive thing in my life. There's this disruptive relationship. There's commotion over fuss or fuss over, over this thing in my work life. Um, there's commotion and fuss over this thing in my life. Will, will you just... Will you just disrupt those things? This story is filled with such good news that Jesus will disrupt the most disruptive things. And then there's things that like feel completely beyond us and, and, and they bother us and, and they kind of like send us into this sense of despair because it's so much bigger than us. This story is filled with good news if we're staring at those kinds of things because guess what? We see a Jesus who can he can disrupt the most disruptive things. One Jesus against 6,000 demons. And, uh, and, and this story is filled with good news that Jesus should disrupt us. Uh, that, that he desires to move us from one thing to something better. Um, that, and that might mean he desires us to leave something bad behind and move to something good. It might mean that he desires us to leave something good and move on to something even better. Right? This story is filled with good news that Jesus uh, should be disrupting us in an ongoing way. And, and, and here's the practical tip for that. Simply ask Jesus the question, hey, is this from you? <laughs> we, have, we live in a very disruptive world, and so it, it would be helpful when you experience an interruption or a disruption in your life so just go to Jesus and ask him, hey, Jesus, is this disruption from you? And if it is, what do you want me to, to learn from it? What are you trying to say in this disruption? Now, the story is filled with good news that Jesus will and Jesus can and Jesus should disrupt us. Amen?
Let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we, we thank you uh, again for these stories. Man, how, how incredible to, to just see this man play out and, or, or this story play out and, and, and be able to, to look at your son, Jesus, to see his great power and his great love and his great work. Um, we, we thank you for, um, uh, for, for, for the disruptions that you bring in this moment. And, uh, and, and we thank you for uh, showing us that you disrupt in love and that you disrupt for the best purposes. Will you please, will you please just open us up to your disruptions? Uh, help us to see them and to receive them and even to rejoice and be filled with gladness in your disruptions. In the name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen.